1: The Bible talks about resurrection. You won't be resurrected unless you die first. So what does that mean? All of us are going to die. And our focus must not be on the earthly death. Our focus should be on the resurrected life, right? And a fellowship of suffering. While we are in this world, Jesus says, there will be that suffering. It'll cost you to be a Christian, amen? There's a price to be paid. And I know we're trying to avoid that because, you know, hey, you know, haven't we suffered already? I've Don't look at suffering so much as a curse from God. If you're a Christian, the curse has been broken. Amen? Yes. The suffering that we face has nothing to do with curse or punishment. It has everything to do with conformity. We're being conformed to the likeness of Jesus. And that's, that's a good spot to say amen. So what does Paul says about the power of the resurrection, and a fellowship in his suffering. He explained this in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Let me read that to you. Paul writes, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Let me read that again. It's a beautiful verse. It says, And if the Spirit of him, the Holy Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through through His Spirit who lives in you. Let me break this down for you. The point that Paul is making about the resurrection power is that that same Holy Spirit who gave life to the dead body of Jesus on Easter Sunday is the same Holy Spirit that lives in you when you came to faith in Jesus. Okay, now why is that important? That Holy Spirit that raised Jesus' body from the grave on Easter Sunday, if that same Holy Spirit lives in you and I, okay, that same Holy Spirit will help us in our everyday life until the physical life ends and our spirits are taken to heaven. Why is that important? It's important because so many Christians, when they think about the resurrection power, when they think about the work of the Holy Spirit as a res- uh, you know, uh, in the power of the resurrection of Christ, they're only thinking about dying and going to heaven. But that's not what the verse says. The verse clearly says that the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead will help you in your mortal bodies. That means the Holy Spirit who lives in you will help you in every struggle and trial that you face right here, right now, while you're still alive. I'm telling you, some of you have not registered that in your head. When you think about the Holy Spirit and resurrection, you're only thinking about dying and going to heaven. No, the Holy Spirit also helps our mortal bodies right here and right now. Okay? You got to start thinking about that. Otherwise, you all be frowning at me every Sunday. This place should be the most joyful place. Not your couch. Alright? What does that mean? It means He can heal your sick body if you're sick right now. How many of you believe God can heal you? You should. Why? Resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? He can change your evil thoughts. Oh, Pastor, I never had an evil thought in my life. Liar. Even right now, you have evil thoughts you just don't want to accept. No one can hear me. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead can hear you. You know what? He can heal and clear our evil thoughts. Amen? He can destroy that fear that you have right now. He can destroy that anger. Pastor, how many times do I have to tell you I'm not angry? He can deal with that. He can get rid of that hatred. Oh, I'm going to get political again here. You know they're talking about getting rid of racism in this country. They're going to talk about that until you're 100 years old. It's not going to stop until the spiritual resurrection power of the Holy Spirit grabs your heart. You'll be a racist until the day you die. You need Jesus. It's not going to be solved by Bringing another movement. Movements don't solve problems. Not even politicians can solve the problems. Not your schools. Not the president. Not the Congress. Jesus fixes human hearts. And that's when you're going to get rid of all the problems. When is that going to happen, Pastor? It's not going to happen here. It's going to happen in heaven. Oh, that's so negative. Gonna have heaven here on earth? No. Just when Pastor thought that he was looking good, his toes hurt, and he was told it's arthritis. Just when he's beginning to fit his pants, they're saying he has this problem or has that problem. Forget it. We're all gonna die. We're gonna all lose our sight. We're all gonna lose our hair. So you might as well die them while you have them. My kids are cringing. They're cringing. He can get rid of that envious heart. He can heal that pride. Amen? He can give you comfort in your dead marriage. You started out being married. You are soulmates. Now you're cellmates. You, You started out completing each other's sentences. Now you don't even want to talk to each other. He can resurrect your dead relationships, whatever, whatever that is. Why? Because He is Lord. So don't think about your trials, you know. Don't focus on the things that you're going through. Oh, pastor, I'm going through this, I'm going through that. They are real. But if you don't have a testimony, you're in bad shape. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus. You have to have something that you can t- about. There's a story in the Bible. Let me just put this in. I get carried away and this this sermon gets long. Let me use this illustration. There was a story in the Bible. King David uh, led his men to attack a particular enemy. And while they were attacking one enemy, another group of enemies came into their camp and, and looted all their belongings and kidnapped their wives and children. And when they got back after that victory, they realized that they'd been raided by another group of enemies. And the people, the the men that David brought with him, started thinking about killing David. This is your fault. We should have protected our wives and our property, our children. And David didn't know what to do. You know, he felt responsible for the kidnapping of <laughs> their families and the the looting of their their properties. You know what David did? The Bible says that David... Spent some time alone, and he started doing this. He started thinking about, he, sta- he, started, he started shifting his focus on the problem at hand, and he started thinking about how God had helped him in the past deal with the lions when he was a shepherd. He, he, he remembered how God helped him uh, get rid of that bear that's threatening his sheep. And of course, how can David forget how God used him to destroy this big giant Goliath, right? And you know what David did? Okay. I have been walking with God so long, and I have experienced His grace, His mercy, and His power in my life. I'm not going to look at the situation that I'm in right now. We're going to attack, and we're going to get what has been taken from us. That's what it means to focus on our testimony and not on our trials. Do you remember a time when God has graciously bailed you out from a big problem? Was there a time when you were sick and God miraculously raised you up? Was there a time even in your life when you were in great danger and trouble and God rescued you? You could have been dead in a car accident, but God preserved your life. You need to think about what Jesus has done before you think about talking about your trials. Number two, do not look over the past Instead, overlook the past. Look at the next verse. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. The word Paul uses here for forgetting the past is the word overlook. It's a stronger word than simply forgetting something. When you overlook something, you do not even see the relevance of that something. The context here is important, you know. This statement is not talking about Forgetting about some past mistakes. You know, sometimes when we read a verse like this, this is one thing. Forgetting what is behind and straining forward. And we think that forgetting what is behind simply applies to the bad things we've done in the past. Simply applies to the sins that we have committed in the past. But Paul was not just talking about the the sins of the past. He's talking about the past, period. Don't dwell on what has already happened in the past, whether they're good or bad. That's what it means to think upwardly. You don't, you know, you don't care about what had happened in the past, okay? If you have committed a sin against God, the Bible says that the only thing that God will not forgive are the sins that we do not confess. So if you already put that in the, under the blood of Jesus and if you've repented, God overlooks that, okay? He even, you know, in Christ, it's as if he, we didn't even commit those things, Okay? But it's not just talking about about past sins. It's talking about past blessings and past victories and past accomplishments. Paul says, forget about those things. They don't matter anymore. The past is the past. What you do is you move forward. Some people, they still dwell on their previous life. They still dwell on the victories that they had in the past. They still dwell on the triumphs and the successes of the past. Oh, I used to be a vice president of the bank and I used to make this amount of money. Now I'm on limited income, Social Security. And they, they, they glory on the things that have happened to them in the past. And they look at the present situation and say, I used to be this way. I used to be that way. Paul says, no. You need to think forward. You need to think upward. Forget all of the things in the past. And some of you, 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 you you're you, still dwelling on the things, you know, I used to be this way. Christians are not used to be people. You know how I know? Because Jesus says to Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be born again? You Start anew. In the kingdom of God, you have a brand new life. Whatever was in the past is in the past. You can't look back to them as a point of reference. I'm not saying they're not important. I'm not saying that you cannot learn from them and I cannot learn from them. But we need to move forward. We need to go beyond that. That's what it means to be mature. That's what it means to overlook what happened in the past. Don't just look over. You know, we look over the past and we reference the past in the situation that we're facing in the future, in the, in the, in the present and in the future. Don't do that. You're going to be left behind. You're going to get stalled in your upward journey. I know this. Uh, many years ago, I attended my, my grand-uncle's funeral. He was a, a veteran of the Second World War and... Uh, Uh, you know, he he lived in Salinas and we were at his funeral wake and I went there and uh, and I saw a lot of his friends during the war, you know. And I was looking at pictures and uh, you know, there was his pictures with all of his friends back back in the 1940s. Some of those friends of his were still alive at that time. This was in the early 80s. And they all showed up at his funeral. And, and, And what Fascinated me about that funeral was those guys were wearing the same clothing they used to wear in the 40s. And was already in the 80s. So I thought maybe this is like a, a costume funeral. Or something like that. So I asked one of, the, one of the people, says, Who are these guys? Oh, they, they were your granduncles, friends back in back in the 40s, the first the first immigrants that came to the Salinas Valley back in those days. They're all and said, Why are they all dressed up in the 1940s clothing? And, you know, the, the, the person couldn't give me an answer. I don't know. They just, they just felt like it was still fashionable 30 years later. I said, they could have even upgraded to at least the 70s. And I looked at that and I said, okay, well, you know, some people get stuck even in their fashion, you know. They get stuck. Get rid of the double-kneed pants. Give them to the goodwill. Forget the 8-track. Those cassettes, toss them. Move forward. There's a lot more to life than hanging on to that suit that fits you. I paid $1,000 for this back in 79. Well, you know what? It's worth $2 at Goodwill now. You know, move on. It means nothing. We need to overlook a lot of that. We need to stop thinking about that. The only way we can advance and mature in our faith is if we let go of the last feel-good moment that we have in the past, okay? Do you remember a time when your faith in God, when your relationship with God was so fiery hot? You speak in tongues every time you, you felt it. What happened to it? The Bible says, you know, we can't dwell on the past things. Maybe your marriage right now is, is, has gotten cold. And, and maybe you're thinking back. Remember the time when we... Forget about that. You need to look and I need to look at what's going on. You used to be so in love that you kiss each other every part of the house. And now you, you don't even look at each other when you're in the table. You're both cranky. Everything, ye, everything you say to each other is just like an insult. Why? Why? Because we're living off the last feel-good moment. Move forward. Because love, human love can get cold. That's why we need the love of God emanating from us every day. It's the only kind of love that will endure. The only kind of love that will last. Don't get stuck in the past. You need to move forward. Isaiah 43 verse 19 says, this is a powerful verse, 43 verse 19. God says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. That's a great promise. Whatever you're going through right now, I want to let you know God is going to put a silver lining in every cloud. God is going to put a, a, a walkway in the wilderness. God is going to bring streams in the desert. Okay? He's going to do a new thing. So get. The past, in the past, and strain forward, strain forward. A couple of things here that I wanna, I wanna bring up, and then I promise you, you, I'll close. There's a story in John chapter 5, verse 1-9. to nine. Just some, some practical tips. Let me just read it very quickly. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been in an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, And learned that he had been in in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? What a question. You've been an invalid for 38 years, and somebody finally asked you the question, do you want to get well? What would be your answer? Your answer would be, duh. Right? But this man didn't get it. Look at his answer. He says, sir. The invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured and picked up his mat and he walked. What was wrong with that person? If you get asked by Jesus, do you want to get well? What would be your answer? Of course I want to get well. What do you think? But this man had several problems. Number one, he had a victim mentality. He had a victim mentality. I always come here to this miraculous pool, but no one wants to bring me to the pool so I can get healed. Victim mentality. Secondly, he was looking for answers at the wrong place. Jesus was already there, and he's still focusing on the pool. Now, we, we may be smirking and laughing, but many of us are in that situation many of us okay thirdly he looks at himself as very deficient no one helps me poor old me i'm the only one in my situation those are the three killers of our joy three killers of what god wants to do in our life number one stop being a victim god never looks at anybody as a victim you're not a victim of sin you and i are sinners sinners we love it, okay? How many of why, why do we sin? Because we love it. It's not your mother's fault. It's not your father's fault. It's not your, the people around you. You know, you talk to people who have not come to grips with who they are. It's always someone else's fault. It's never going to be theirs. Why? Because they are victims. And if you're a Christian, you're not a victim. You're a victor. Stop looking at ourselves as deficient. Jesus never looked at anybody as a deficient person. He looked at that person with compassion. He says, get up, walk. That's easy. That's easy, right? That's really easy. Oh, that's Jesus. That's not me. Hey, Jesus is Lord. Challenges will never go away, all right? Challenges will never go away. But struggles, now hear me, hear me, everybody, okay? There's a huge difference between struggling and being challenged. Okay? I want you to get this. Forget all the rest of the sermon. Get it this morning. Struggles and challenges are two different things. Okay? When someone tells you, uh, somebody tells me all the time, Pastor, I am struggling with my job. A job should not be a struggle. It should be a challenge. Challenges are meant to be overcome, and you can overcome them. Struggles are much deeper problems, okay? If you're struggling with your job, the job is not the problem. The problem is inside you. You're struggling because, number one, maybe you're lazy. Maybe you're too proud and can't get along with everybody. That's not the job's problem. It's your problem. Struggles are meant to be eradicated in our lives, Challenges are meant to be faced and conquered. Pastor, I'm struggling with my marriage. Eh. Marriages are not supposed to be struggles. They're supposed to be challenging. You can overcome them. But if you're struggling with your marriage, you probably have a deeper problem of, I don't know, pride, lust, right? Right? Because if you're struggling with a marriage, That's a huge problem. Marriages can be challenging. My wife didn't know. I snored until we got married. And then until she told me, we got to move out of this house. Why? Because we're next to a train track. No, we're not. Yes, we are. Every time you sleep, the the place vibrates. Even mosquitoes don't enter the house anymore. Challenge, struggles. Struggles are spiritual issues. The reason we cannot face challenges is because we are not winning our personal struggles. Okay? So we need to come to Jesus. That resurrection power will deal with it. Final point this morning. Thirdly, move from calling on God to hearing God's call. Move from calling on God to hearing God's call. Paul says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is perhaps the most important aspect of our faith. Maturity, learning to hear the call of God. There's so much emphasis and confusion about the calling of God. What is this? What is God's calling? And people try to put all kinds of mystical definitions. It's not mystical. There's no mystery on the calling of God. The problem is we focus so much on calling God, calling on God, calling on God. Nothing wrong with that. But we need to shift our thinking from calling on God all the time to hearing what God is calling us to do okay there's a big difference okay and sometimes we just keep on calling god and god becomes nothing more than a heavenly grandfatherly figure who listens to us and gives us what we want that's not who god is god says come to me and i will i will hear your prayers i will come to you i will bless you i will do all these things but at some point in our life to grow we need to st- Stop calling on God alone and begin to hear the calling of God in our life. Amen? And what is the calling of God? in our life. I'm glad you asked only three things you need to remember this morning. The call of God has three dimensions only. Three dimensions only. Number one, the call to salvation. If you're not saved, God is calling you to a relationship with Him through faith in Jesus. That's the number one calling that God has for everybody. So in this room, if you have not heard that call, He's calling you right now. You need to come to faith in Jesus. The second calling is the call to self discovery. What is that? It means you need to see who you are in light of who God is. You need to remember that God is God and you're not. That's self-discovery. When I discovered that for my life, I started ruling. I stopped ruling myself and I start asking God to rule my life. Third calling, the call to service. How are you using your life? Are you serving the Lord? So those are the only three callings. That God has for humanity. Nothing else. Oh, what about a call to a career and all of that stuff? That's a sermon for another day, but that's not a calling. That is a directional, uh, a directional emphasis. In God. God is calling you to salvation. God is calling you to a relationship with Him. And God is calling you to a life of service